Let's get to our message today. It comes from Colossians 3.12, just one verse today. Um, let's read that together, Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Patience. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the things that you're doing within our church, for the ways that you're touching hearts, awakening hearts to you. God, we ask that you continue to do that. We ask, God, that you continue to use your word to speak deeply into our souls, to convict us, Father, of the truth so that our lives might respond to them and we might truly understand how amazing it is to live for Jesus. So God, continue to do that today as we worship you through the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah, you know, these past few weeks we've been talking about what it means to live out this new life that we have with Jesus Christ. And the foundation of this life, just like we've been saying every single week, is being thankful for Christ. Being thankful that he saved us out of this life that was uh, corrupted and driven by sin. That he saved us out of this life that was possessed and even directed by the evil powers and authorities of this world. And he saved us into a life that was always designed to mirror him, right? To be his image bearer to the world and into eternity. We were saved to live in his image and to live out his image. But the question is this, and you know, I mean, these are great truths, but what does that life actually look like? How, does, how are we supposed to live out this life? And those are the things that we've kind of been fleshing out for these past few weeks. We've been talking about dangers. We've been talking about certain warnings. We've been talking about certain sins that we need to get rid of. We've touched upon a few positive things that we need to start building within our lives. And we're going to continue to do that over the next few weeks. But today, Paul, the Apostle Paul writes this little phrase, this little sentence here in verse 12 that I thought was just so powerful that I wanted to pause and just to reflect upon what this verse, the, even just the beginning of this verse, is telling us. And the reason why I think it's so important is because these particular truths are absolutely foundational if we want to live out a healthy faith. These truths are absolutely crucial if we want to actually live out our new lives with Christ in the way that we were meant to. Why? Because they remind us of how valuable we are to God. And that's our message for today. And all of us need that, don't we? We all need to be reminded of how valuable you are. Do you guys get that regularly within your life? Do people in your life tell you how valuable you are to them? Last night I was at a wedding and it was beautiful because this couple were telling each other how valuable they were to each other. You know, and it was absolutely beautiful. It was absolutely touching, and it was wonderful. And as they were saying those things, I, I, I was sitting next to my wife, and I, I looked at her, and I was like, "When was the last time my wife told me how valuable I was?" And but then, you know, and, and then I thought, "When was the last time I told her how valuable she was to me?" And I honestly couldn't remember. Right? Am I right? We can't remember. I told her this morning because I. <laughs> but anyway, you know, but I honestly couldn't remember. And then I thought about all the. Important people in my life. When was the last time my kids told me that? 
When was the last time my friends told me how valuable I was to them? When was the last time my congregation told me how valuable I was? When was the last time my parents told me how valuable I was? And I just thought, uh, I can't remember. Nothing. Zero. You know, the people who are most valuable to me in my life either hardly ever say it or never say it at all. And that sucks, right? That's horrific because we need that. We need that every day. We need to know that we're loved. We need to know that we're valued because that's how we live out a healthy life. And so we need to hear it and we need to hear it regularly. So today I'm going to tell you, you guys are valuable to me. Right? Does that seem too cheesy? That is. I said it too cheesy. Okay, sorry. But you guys are really valuable to me. You guys are the ones that keep me up at night. I lose sleep over you guys. I don't know all of you by name or your lives intimately, but I'd love to. But the more I do, the more like I fall in love with you, but also the more frustrated I get. But that's just a you know, symbol of love too. And it just keeps me, and I, and I love it. And I think that's what church should be about. You guys are really valuable to me, and I hope you guys value me and each other. Should we turn to a neighbor and say, you are valuable to me? Let's try it. Is it awkward? Are you lying? <laughs> you know? We could be. I'm encouraging lying at church, but, but I hope not. What we're doing is we're, we're saying a prayer. I hope. You are valuable to you. Anyway, anyway, you know, knowing that you're loved, knowing that you're valued, knowing that you're cherished by God is absolutely essential and foundational to living out a healthy faith. Being secure in his love for us, being confident of his desires for us is absolutely essential if we want to grow in Christ and even take risks for the kingdom. And knowing that his love is never conditional upon our performance or upon our faithfulness is actually what keeps the door open so that we'll continually return to God, especially after failures upon failures in our Christian walk, right? Knowing that his love is unconditional upon us. That's absolutely powerful. So it's important to know how valuable we are and how valued we are in Christ by God. And that's why we have verse 12. That's why the Apostle Paul and God wants to tell us, before he gives us any more instructions on how to live out this holy life, he wants to share with us how valuable and valued you really are. Verse 12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly Loved. And in this verse, there are three phrases that actually describe your new identity in Christ. And this new identity is exactly the way God sees you and the way God feels towards you. Right, look at these three phrases. Chosen people, holy, and dearly loved. I want to start with that word chosen. You know, the heart behind the, 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 the word chosen, the heart behind this word chosen is the fact that you were hand-picked. That's what it is, right? Chosen means that you were hand-picked. You were hand-picked to be saved. You were hand-picked to be saved. It's not like God threw out this big net and said, hey, let's see who we could save. It wasn't like that. But he set his heart upon you. He set his eyes upon you and said, I want him. I want her. 
I want you. God handpicked you to be his. The New Testament actually calls this particular doctrine the doctrine of adoption, right? Now, the thing is, I've never adopted anyone in my life. I've known couples who've adopted children. And let me tell you what, at least what I've heard, whenever a couple adopts a child, you know what they do? They go to an adoption agency. They literally pay tens of thousands of dollars. It's like forty to $50,000 to adopt a child. Trust me, no couple goes to an adoption agency, drops tens of forty, $50,000 and say, you want to know something, adoption agency? Just give me any child you want. I don't care. Just give me anyone. No. No one does that. You know what they do? They peruse through all these profiles of children. They research countries. They research uh, orphanages. They research every single child, look at their profile, what families are from, what backgrounds they're from. And then what they do is they handpick the child that they believe fits them best. You know what I'm saying? That's what it means to be adopted. So when a child is adopted, that child is handpicked. And the same goes for here when it says that we are chosen. Right? In the same way, out of all the children in the world, God handpicked us to be his. But here's the question. How is it or why is it that out of the 7.7 billion that current, people that currently walk the face of this earth right now, why is it that he chose you? Right? Why is it that he chose us above, maybe over all these other people? And the answer to, the answer to that question is found in Deuteronomy 7, 6 to 8. Let's read this together. It says, the Lord God, the Lord your God, has chosen you to be a people, why? For his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you are the fewest of all peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you. What are these verses saying? The first thing that it's saying is that God chose you to be his treasured possession. Isn't that amazing? God chose you, why? To be treasured. You were chosen to be treasured. You weren't just chosen to be a child or to be possessed or to be his. You were chosen, first and foremost, to be treasured. When was the last time you heard that? Right? I don't know about you, but I never felt treasured growing up. I grew up in a very difficult Korean immigrant family. My parents, I think till this day, never told me how much, if they treasured me or not. I never felt treasured at all. The first time in my life that I ever felt treasured was the day I met Jesus Christ. True story. It's the first time I ever felt like I had any value in this world. And that's the reason why I'm still here. That's the reason why I still follow after God. That's the reason why I actually try to live a holy life, even though it's so difficult. It's simply because I know I'm treasured, and that hasn't changed. And can I tell you something? Can I tell you one thing that I've absolutely learned and I'm convinced of over the past 30 years that I've been a Christian? His treasuring of us never changes. That's a constant that you can always bank upon. Isn't that comforting? It is. Do you believe that God treasures you? Do you believe it? Honestly. Because this is a truth that I pray penetrates your heart eternally, forever. He treasures you. Think about this. If treasuring you was God's goal in choosing you, then how do you think he's going to look at you every single time he looks at you? 
How do you think that he, what do you think his heart position, his attitude is going to be every single time he thinks about you? There's only one way, which is absolute adoration. That's the only way he can feel about you, is absolute adoration. If you ever come over to my house, you'll see that we have a lot of these like stuffed animal toys. Okay, I don't know, we just do. And But the thing is, my sons, one of my sons, he, he only likes one of them. And so when he comes home from school, he like seeks out that one only, and he grabs it, and he hugs it really tightly. Slightly disturbing. But he hugs it really tightly, and he walks around the house with it. You know what I'm saying? He's like so joyful with it. If at night you're quiet, you could hear him having a conversation, you know, with it. Slightly disturbing. And, you know, but and the thing is, he recently went away to camp. And then he says, Dad, you know what the most, one of the most difficult parts of going off to camp was? I said, what? He goes, I missed that stuffed animal toy. I was like, oh, my God. You know? And I was just like, oh, how is it that this, you know, child, this imperfect, sinful child, can so comprehensively, you know, love and adore this inanimate object? Do you know what I'm saying? That so much that it, it like consumed him when he was separated from it. He was absolutely, you know, he was heartbroken that he was. And I thought, wow, if that's what, if that's how much an imperfect human being can love an inanimate object, what kind of love and adoration can a perfect God have for us? And so this is what I came to conclude. Our God, who has a perfect love for us, can only treasure us perfectly. And that's exactly how he views you. And because it's never conditional upon how faithful you were or how good you were or how bad you were or how well you performed, the only way that he can look at you if you are in Christ is with absolute adoration. He chose you to be treasured. It's absolutely amazing, right? Do you notice that in this verse it says that the Lord set his love on you and chose you? That's a love that never changes. And you know what that means? It means two things. Number one, it means that his choosing of us is not dependent upon our worthiness to be chosen. You are not more worthy than anybody else in this world to be chosen. He chose you out of his love for you. It's all about him. I know that kind of sounds a little bit depressing because we all want to hear that we're so worthy to be loved, that we're so worthy to be chosen, but it's actually really good news. And there's, let me tell you why this is absolutely good news. It's good news because secondly, it means that his love for us will never be conditional upon our performance or upon our, our, our faithfulness in any single way, right? It's only dependent upon himself. And since his love is perfect, his love for you will always be perfect. Right? That's how much he cherishes you. There's nothing that you can do to separate yourself from the love of God for you. Romans 8, 38, 39, it says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He absolutely adores you. 
you are dearly loved. You are comprehensively treasured. Right? Isn't that awesome? You got to have this. You got to know this. Okay? These are these are the fundamental truths that the evil ones always try to steal away from us. The text says that we were chosen because we are dearly loved, right? And he wants us to be confident, confident of that. Do you guys get that? One last word I want to cover in verse 12. It says holy, right? There's one last word that we didn't cover yet, and that's the word holy. Verse 12 says that we are to be holy. Holy is the result of being chosen and dearly loved. Christ made us holy when we put our faith in him. But to make that even more clear, let's look at Ephesians 1, 4 to 5. It says this, it says, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption, there's the word, to himself as sons. First, these verses say that he chose us before the foundation of the world, right? Which means that before God and Christ and the Holy Spirit, before the Trinity ever created the world, Not only did he have you in mind, but he was cherishing you before he ever created the world. Isn't that mind-blowing? He knew your name and he was cherishing you before one letter in the book of Genesis was ever written. And not only was he cherishing you, but this text says that he reserved us in his heart so that we might be his one day. What does that mean practically? It means that he waited thousands upon thousands of years, not only for us to be born, but he waited thousands and thousands of years for that moment when he would convict your heart of your sinfulness and of your need for Christ so that you could repent and so that you could understand his love for you, be completely freed by the evil powers of this world and be his forever. He couldn't wait for that day. To me, that's true love, right? You know? But God didn't choose us just so that we could be saved. These verses say that he chose us to be his, holy and blameless, which means that he chose us to, once again, live in his image and to live out his image in this world. How do we do that? And this is the ultimate thrust of our passage. This is the ultimate thrust of the letter of Colossians. And this is the ultimate thrust of our message today. We do that by being thankful worshipers. That's it. Being thankful worshipers. God chose us to be thankful worshipers that live out the image of Christ to the world. 1 Peter 2.9, it says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Look at all those chosen people, royal priesthood, God's treasured possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. God chose us to be thankful worshipers. It's that simple, right? God chose us to be thankful worshipers. All God ever wants from us and all God ever wants for us is to be a thankful worshiper. To me, that sums up what all of Christianity is about. 
You know, all God ever wants from us and for us is to be a thankful worshiper every single day. That's why we need to meet with him. That's why we need to pray. That's why we need to study scripture and meditate on scripture. That's why we go to prayer meetings and that's why we have community and to love people that are tough to love in the church. We do all that so that we could be reminded of what he did for us through our brothers and sisters, through scripture, through prayer, so that we could live every single day thankful, every day thankful for what Christ did for us upon the cross. And hopefully as we do that, what it does is it centers our whole lives upon the gospel of Jesus Christ, which then in turn fuels our worship with gratitude every single day. This is what God wants for us. That, quite honestly, is not easy. It's pretty hard. But I tell you what, it's a lot harder when your heart is not thankful. It's a lot harder when you're not convinced that you're loved unconditionally. It's a lot harder when you're not convinced and absolutely secure in his treasuring of you. And that's why he shares that with us here today. God chose us to be holy and dearly loved so that we can live our lives as thankful worshipers every day. It's an amazing thing to be God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. And so by beginning this section of the letter with these amazing truths, God wants us to be confident of his love for us. He wants us to walk securely every single day in his unchanging love for us so that we can live in his image and to live out his image every single day as thankful Worshippers, We're going to cover how we're going to do that and exactly, specifically in the next few weeks. But today I just want to close by concentrating and camping on this idea of being a thankful worshiper. You know, gratitude is the foundation, is absolutely foundational to our new lives in Christ. It has to be the reason why we do everything that we do. Okay, Gratitude has to be the reason why we do everything that we do. God wants us to live out our Christian lives as holy and blameless, but it's not because that's the right thing to do. It's not because that's the best thing to do. It's not because that's the most moral and like Christian-y thing to do. Christianity is lived out as a thankful response to all that Christ did. This is everything, okay? He wants our Christian lives to be driven each day by a heart that's thankful that he chose us to be his, thankful that we are dearly loved and treasured, thankful that he handpicked us to be freed from sin and to live a much greater eternal purpose, thankful that his love never changes and is never dependent upon our performance of faithfulness, thankful for Jesus Christ. And the reason why that's so important is that the moment we forget that um, and start operating our Christian lives outside of gratitude, that's when all of a sudden we'll become religious. And whenever you, we become religious, that's when falsehood creeps into our faith. And the last thing that the church needs is any more falsehood. You know what I'm saying? We cannot let that happen. So today, I want you to saturate yourself in one of the greatest truths of all, if not the greatest truth, and that's this. God loves you. He cherishes you. He treasures you. Right? I just want you to think about that. He loves you. He cherishes you. He treasures you. He handpicked you. Right? And he proved all that on the cross, didn't he? He sent his one and only son to die on the cross so that you could be reconciled to him, so that you could be his forever. 
All he asks every single day is that you come to him knowing that you need him and thankful for all they did for you. And therefore, out of that thankfulness, live a holy and blameless life. You are God's chosen people, dearly love, so let's live holy in all that we do. Let's pray. I just want you to take a moment and I want you to rest in that truth. You're loved. You're cherished. You're treasured. Maybe that's something that you don't get to experience a lot every single day. Maybe that's something you don't hear every single day. But God wants you to hear it because that's how he feels about you. That's the way he sees you. He chose you to be his so that you could be treasured. So that you could know and experience his love much deeper every single day. So that you could be his and live holy for him. Can I just invite you to embrace that truth, to pray over those truths and let God do whatever he wants to do in you. If you want to repent, repent. If you just want to tell him that you love him, do it. Let's really invite revival to come back into our hearts today. Let's pray. Father, we praise you that you chose us. Out of the billions of people, you chose us. We thank you, God, that it wasn't because of our worthiness that you chose us. It was just simply because you loved us. And Father, because of that, give us the confidence to operate in your love every single day. Knowing that it's never conditioned upon our faithfulness or our performance or our goodness in any way, but simply because you love us. You sent your your son Christ to die for us because you loved us. And so God, I pray that, especially for those who struggle with guilt and those who struggle with habitual sins and those who struggle with even their own view of themselves every single day, God, I pray that your love will break through. And Father, the truth of your love and how much you cherish us and how much you treasure us will become our truth and our reality every single day and the driving force behind all that we do within our lives, especially our faith. 
God, I pray, break through and heal our hearts. And God, I pray that we would be a church filled with people who are characterized by thankfulness. Thankful every single day because we know freshly within our hearts that we're loved. That we know freshly within our hearts that we've been forgiven, that we've been saved, that we've been reconciled, and we know the Almighty God of the universe so that we can live holy and blameless and live in your image and to live out your image in all that we do. God, make us a church that's like that for your glory and pleasure. We thank you, God, for all this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.